Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. So grateful for, for all those that can be a part. And I know so many of you have either traveled or made it a point to be here. I just want, want to say thank you. I know it means a lot to Pastor John and, and his family. is so grateful. And uh, now we get to hear from his, his best friend. And uh, we are excited. He got to speak here, Pastor David Vaughn. He Give a big round of applause. Come on over here, my man. Thanks. Pastor David um, is not only Pastor John's best friend, but he's become one of my buddies. And he's, he's come a long ways in really teaching us what succession. He was able to do it earlier in the year and really walking through a lot of that with us, encouraging us. And so grateful for, for you and your bride to be here. And uh, he's going to share a, a word that is, is aimed at Pastor John, but I think will allow us all to lean in and listen to. Glad so to do it, bro. Grateful for you. Hey, man. Love Dustin Agar. And you know, I noticed his pulpit is a little shorter. Um, but just saying. Uh, oh, oh. But there is a book in the Bible called Nehemiah. And uh, I. Uh, Lo, I am with you always, he said. Not, not, sorry. You all realize, right, that we are standing today on holy ground. The transition of a man of God and a church of God to another man of God is holy ground. And not every church does it this way. Trust me. Donna and I, my wife, are so thrilled to be a part of this memorable and monumental and wonderful weekend. So thank you for inviting us. What do you say about a guy that has changed your life in more ways than you can imagine? I could go on for this entire new year about my friend John Hampton, but since I only got a couple of minutes, I thought I would shape my comments in the context of a game that John and I love so much that others have already referenced, the game of golf. We have lots of mutual loves. For some reason, golf was one of the biggest. It's where we first connected. I, I cannot begin to tell you the discussions and the life-changing decisions that we have had, not in the church, but we have had and made on the golf course. My call through John to a church in Cincinnati, he got a voicemail while we were on the golf course, changed the whole trajectory of Don and I's life. We started playing golf very quickly, very early in our friendship, probably early 20s. And we have literally golfed all over the U.S., and we even traveled to Europe we golfed in Scotland to play at the old course. Oh, my goodness. And we played the new course, too, which is like a couple hundred years old. We just competed. We played everywhere. We have competed as a team. We have competed with each other. We have competed against each other for decades. And can I just tell you something maybe you know and don't know about John Hampton? He is a competitive guy. He hates to lose. In any game, but especially golf. I hate to lose too, but I hide it better because I'm more spiritual. But anyway, <laughs> the... But his integrity, his authenticity on the course and in his life and with his family is amazing. 
You can tell a lot about a guy by golfing with him. In fact, when I would hire people, I didn't tell them if I found out they golf. I'd take them golfing. You find out if they cheat. You find out if they got a temper. You find out what they want to talk about. You're in a golf cart with somebody for five, six hours. You're going to find out a lot about them. I threatened to baptize guys if they didn't let me beat them on the golf cart. It's amazing. (laughs) And you realize, don't you, the gift you have had of authenticity, integrity, consistency in this guy right here? You realize, right, that most pastors in churches the size of Journey struggle with a large ego? It's a little secret. Trust me, John and I hang out with them. These guys got enormous conceit. There's a difference between arrogance and confidence. John has confidence, but he does not have arrogance. His ego has not been his amigo. That's what I've been saying. He has found, you're welcome to use that anytime, Dustin. He has found a way to stay humble yet hungry, and I've noticed it on the golf course that I've noticed in life. I think we've probably helped each other get to this stage of our life by keeping our egos in check for decades together. We we always knew who the other were. We had secrets about each other that could be dangerous to the other. So we never got above our raisins. That's a good country way to put it. Well, there are dozens of golf phrases and axioms that golfers have used over the years that bring success. And I was thinking about that, and I thought I would choose just three of them, three of those phrases, axioms, that apply to John that I think have led to success not only in life and ministry, but our friendship. Can I give them to you? The first axiom of golf, and if you're going to be a successful friend, have a successful friendship, is this. Give and receive your mulligans. Now, in case you don't golf, we'll pray for you. But a mulligan in golf is a do-over. It's a second chance for a tee shot that goes out of bounds or lands in a hazard. Casual golfers, good friends, will give you a mulligan when it's needed. Sometimes they'll give you more than one mulligan. We have done that with each other on a bad day. It's not in the rules, but it preserves your game. It makes you look better than you really are. And John and I have preserved our friendship, I believe, because we have shared, given, and received relational mulligans over the years, lots of them. I have forgiven John, I think, for running out of gas on a freezing, dark, deserted road in Kentucky as we made our way back to Bible college after playing in a special minister's basketball game. Another mutual love for us. And I said, don't mess with me, John, when he said, I think we're running out of gas. Don't mess with me today. He wasn't messing. We ran out of gas. I couldn't get any help. There's a whole long story, but I offered to go off into the darkness to a lone house over there. And when I started walking, I heard a dog, but it sounded like the hound of the Baskervilles. It was coming out. Long story. I've given him a mulligan for that. I have given a mulligan for him hitting me with an errant golf shot while playing with my dad one day. And to this day, I think I still walk with a little limp after all that. I have forgiven him for hiring the exact opposite kind of church secretary I requested at a church where I served as a youth minister with him. He'll tell you about that. But I, although he has given me, I have given him so many mulligans, the degree of mulligans he has forgiven me for and the ones he has bestowed on me are vastly beyond what I have given him, trust me. 
For instance, he has forgiven me for recruiting him early on to sell Amway with me. Now, I know this is an Amway center, right? I recruited John, then I quit. Anyway, he has forgiven me for asking him to sell merch for me in the dorm at Bible college just so I could pay the bills because, you know, tuition was tough. I suffered from the disease of maltuition in Bible college. He has forgiven me for shamelessly stealing so many sermons, jokes, and church ideas while giving him zero credit. Rick actually said John has done a good job preaching his old Nobody has preached John's old sermons better than me. <laughs> to our knowledge, there has never been anything that has fractured our friendship, mainly because we have been willing to give and receive multiple mulligans. I'm grateful for the mulligans you have given me. I didn't even deserve to win, but he let me win. And by the way, you ought to be grateful he's given you some mulligans too, because I know you're good, but you ain't that good around here. <laughs> the second axiom of enjoyable golf and friendship success is this. Choose your clubs wisely. Club selection is crucial to success in golf. What you put in your golf bag and what you pull out of your golf bag to use is vital if you're going to win. And clubs, like friends, come in different sizes and shapes. And John Allen Hampton wisely chose and selected Melinda and I, Donna, to be club partners for life. And having gone through this now for some time, succession and reflection, I don't believe Melinda and Donna have got near enough credit for our successful ministries. And I want to say thank you, Melinda, for being faithful to John, my best friend. And thank you, Donna, for loving us and letting us golf a lot. <laughs> but in life... Success is determined by the kind of people you surround yourself with, and this is absolutely true with me and John. I'm not the sharpest club in the bag, but I was sharp enough to have and keep John Hampton in the orbit of my life. Early on in Bible college, when I first met John, I would sit in Cincinnati Christian University Chapel on the back row with Donna on one side and John on the other. I didn't really want to go to chapel. They were very much more godly. You're going. I never went before John Hampton and Donna showed up in my life. They helped me stay awake back there, but they truly embodied the verse that said a cord of three strands, three clubs, three friends are not easily broken. The Bible also says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And for me, that friend was John Hampton. I never had a physical brother. I always prayed I'd have one, never had one, but I got a better one in that guy right there. In golf, there's usually a go-to club that's your favorite, and man, when the pressure is on, when it really counts, you can choose that club to deliver and avoid the hazards of the course. John Hampton has been my go-to club, my go-to friend when the pressure is on, and it has helped me avoid untold deep bunkers and hazards in my life. I did a little deep dive into Proverbs to think about friendship, and 
I want to read to you just a couple of the characteristics I came up with from this book of wisdom that describe who a good friend is. And as you listen to them, I want you to think about how many of these things apply to your friends, but I can tell you all of them apply to my best buddy, John Hampton. They build you up, not tear you down. They invite you in when others keep you out. John has included me in things over the years I didn't qualify for or even know about, but he wanted to include me. Good friends will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Am I right about that? Good friends will run to you in tough times when others run away from you. And here's a big one. Good friends want you to win even if they don't. You will never know this. Years ago, John was willing even to turn down a great preaching position that I ironically had also applied for, and he was willing to turn it down because he didn't want to hurt my chances. The search committee chair told me later that John said to him, hey, listen, if it means that David doesn't get the job just because you want me, David Vaughn and I were friends before I applied. We're going to be friends after I'm no longer the preacher at this church. Our friendship matters. Friend, that's a rare loyalty, especially in the ministry because these people are mean and competitive. (laughs) If you want to have a good friendship, you want to have success on the course and in life, give and receive mulligans. Choose your clubs wisely. And the last one I would say to this, the last axiom, play your back nine well. Every golfer knows that if you want to win, it doesn't matter how you start around, it's how you finish. By the way, that's true for you in life, is it not? It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Just ask the thief on the cross if you don't believe that. That's why they say the Masters tournament doesn't really start till the back nine on Sunday. And I've been watching and observing the last few holes of the back nine that John has played here with Journey. And I don't think anybody could have finished their round better than he has. He's pulled the right clubs. He's kept the right temperament. He's made the right shots at the right time. He's avoided the hazards that are so prevalent in succession. Now, I will say to this, some of it has been because Dustin has been an outstanding caddy for him on this back nine. It takes humility, TJ and him, it takes humility from that leader who is leaving and that which is coming. Both are important. But you have no idea how blessed you are to have John lead and leave this way. He has made it look a lot easier than it is. Trust me, I've just been through it. But now he and I get to play the next back nine of our lives together, coaching, teaching, helping other pastors and churches, with the lessons we have learned from all the other past rounds of church life. And someday, when John and I get to the final hole on the final green of our lives, we will meet the one who will give us the trophy that we have often and always coveted the most, the crown of life. But until that day comes and we get that reward and that trophy, I do have something I'd like to present to John to signify what a champion for Christ he has truly been. Now, as you know, John loves his Kentucky Wildcats. Maybe not this year as much as other years. But anyway, (laughs) I noticed the Kentucky blue out there with the the, the 
Guest services team, what is it wonderful. I feel at home here. But John loves his Kentucky Wildcats, the championships they've won. Whenever a team, especially professional ones, I know it's been a while in Orlando, but especially professional ones, when they win one of those championships, they get one of those big, huge, ostentatious championship rings. Have you seen them? Guys that are in, on the interview, they wear them. So I thought it appropriate for John to have one of his own. I had hoped to give it to him today, but because of supply chain issues, you can blame everything on that. Supply chain issues, delivery has been delayed, so he will get it this year, but I brought some pictures of it. Would you like to see it? It displays some defining characteristics of his personal and professional life. The front of that huge championship ring says world champion preacher, because he is. It is plated with 24 karat gold. This is not cheap stuff now. I got the real stuff. It has his beloved Wildcats logo. One side has John Hampton, Kentucky, where he was born and the year he started as your lead pastor here. The other side has Journey Church, Florida, where he was reborn. And the last year, full year, he served as your lead pastor. And the inside of the ring, I really wasn't going to share that, but the people that made it signature ring put the whole thing on there. It's got to my BBF, best buddy forever. And it has the reference of 2 Timothy. Now, I want to read this to you, and you tell me if this doesn't sound like your preacher, John Hampton. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Has he not been prepared in season and out of season? Has he not corrected, rebuked, and encouraged with great patience and careful instruction? So that'll be close to his finger. And I think on big days, he'll display it proudly. It's pretty bold and audacious ring. But if ever there's a humble guy that could wear it a couple of days, it's that guy. You know this already after hearing him preach for the last 12 years. I've never heard a finer teacher preacher than John Hampton. I have never. I have heard the best too. I have marveled at John's ability to write and deliver messages that are biblical and practical. I knew he was something special. The first time I heard him preach as a freshman in Bible College Chapel, which is why he was his graduating class orator, I still remember the very first sermon, John, you preached in chapel that day at CCU. It was on love from 1 Corinthians 13. And he told a stupid joke about a mouse I thought was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and I still tell that stupid corny joke. If you want to get the real thing, you got to put out the real thing. He has demonstrated that real thing to you and me. And we have seen a miracle of God whose mouth opened regularly here to teach and preach you the word. God has always had donkeys that spoke for him. And John and I, I've been reminded, we're just the sanctified donkey that talked. But he has demonstrated that love to me and you. I know this guy. I know who he is up here, but I know who he is out there, and I know who he is at home. And the greatest compliment that a preacher can ever be given is by those who know him best to say, that's a real person. 
They're the same on stage and off stage. They're consistent. They're not perfect, but they're consistent, and he is. His heart is as pure as his sermon delivery, and his infectious joy is as wide as the fair waves we have strolled. Let me close with this. The calling of a man of God to be a preacher for God is a privilege. We just never got over that God used these guys born in Kentucky to do what he's done. It's a privilege. Can I tell you, though, it's also a painful call? I don't know many lives where your life is an open book. In every family situation, every problem you have personally, it leaks into the professional. There is no difference. And his family is wonderful. I have They're just wonderful. Our daughter grew up with their daughters, our son with their sons. I haven't got a chance to meet all of the grandkids yet, but I like it that they got hair, and I love that about them. <laughs> but me and family, Rachel and you know what a treasure your dad is. It takes a special person to go through the privilege and then the pain without becoming jaded, sarcastic. But it is a powerful thing to answer the call of God and live it out. Not just anybody can do it. Many fail in the back nine of their life. They stumble. And I think, John, you're going to make it. You made it through today. Don't mess up. you got a few hours. I think you can do this. But the man of God, with the call of God and the power of God, is an amazing thing. And that's why I have figured this out. That being a preacher is less proclamational and more incarnational. I heard someone say that the art of preaching is not the preparation and delivery of a message. It is the preparation and delivery of a man. Incarnational. And that, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that man for me and you was John Hampton. The poet of long ago, Edgar Guest, said it best. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. For the eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And John Hampton has lived out a sermon for you every day as your lead pastor. He has crafted and presented dozens of hundreds of messages here. But the greatest message he delivered was himself. And all of us have been blessed to hear and see it. So to my world champion buddy, my world champion preacher friend, I say well done. Donna and I are proud to not only have you stand up at our wedding, but stand out in our life. I don't know where I'd be without John Hampton. And many of you could say the same thing. So John, thank you for inviting me to be your partner in golf and in this lifelong friendship. If I only had one more sermon left to hear, I'd want you to be the preacher. And if I only had one more round of golf to play, I'd want it to be with you.
And that's all I got to say about that. Makes me wish I would have said some nicer things at his retirement. <laughs> Dave was uh, the best man in mine and Melinda's wedding. And um, he has continued to be the best man and friend in my life. And um, man, I don't deserve all that stuff. You're crazy. Thank you for saying all that. <laughs> Really, thank you for saying all that. And um, there is a verse in Scripture uh, about two friends. Uh, and it's about a guy named David and another guy named John. His Jonathan in the Bible. But this is what it says about David and Jonathan. He loved him as he loved himself. And if ever there is a, another man that that could be said about for me, it's this man right here. I love him as I love myself. So thank you, Dave. So here's what we're going to do right now. Here's what we're going to do right now. Is that, is that, is that his mic? Okay. So you all bear with us <clears throat> right now. We're going to do something that we did when we first started out in ministry. Bring up this picture real quick. Have you got that picture of uh, Dave and myself? Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. I had hair. That, that's what we look like when we met. We, 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 look, we look like that. That's exactly how David Vaughn looked when I first met him. And uh, he had hair and mine was brown. True. So Dave and I, we've done a lot of different ministry. We've never been, um, well, I'll talk about that a little bit later on. We, we, um, uh, we've done some ministry things together. And at his church in Lexington, he was a youth pastor. I was a preacher not too far away. He invited me to do a youth revival for him. I did. And we sang a song. And it's an old gospel song. And then he moved to Virginia. And I went and visited his church. And we sang that song there. And I said, Dave, if we could, let's, let's, let's do this song together today one more time. It is an old gospel song called The Lighthouse. And Jeremy, our brother, is going to accompany us on this, and uh, we will give it our best. Are you ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> All right. I'm ready. There's a lighthouse on the hillside that overlooks life's sea. And when I'm tossed, it sends out a light that I might clearly see. And the light that shines in darkness now will safely lead me home. If it wasn't for the lighthouse, my ship 
would be no more And I thank God for the lighthouse I owe my life to Him Jesus is the lighthouse And from the rocks of sin He has shown His light around me that I might clearly see if it wasn't for the lighthouse where would this ship be? Well everybody that lives around me says tear that lighthouse down well the big ships they don't sail this way anymore there's no use in it hanging around but then my mind goes back to that stormy night when just in time i saw the light oh the light of that old lighthouse that stands upon the hill And I thank God for the lighthouse I owe my life to Him Jesus is the lighthouse And from the rocks of sin He has shown His light around me that I might clearly see If it wasn't for the lighthouse Where would this ship be? And I thank God for the lighthouse I owe my life to Him Jesus is the lighthouse and from the rocks of sin He has shown the light around us That we might clearly see If it wasn't for the lighthouse Where would this ship You didn't see that coming. <laughs> that was great. Pastor Dave, thank you for blessing us. That was a good word. Good word for our pastor. I want to hear from uh, the chairman of our elders. This is Randy Scoggins. Would you please welcome him? Yes, sir. Is this on, Dustin? Okay. 
When I was a kid and uh, I was raised in a, uh, a very conservative holiness evangelical church, along about now in the service, the preacher would say, I think we've all been to church today. You guys agree with that? <laughs> Pretty amazing. Uh, this isn't on my remarks, but I'm going to have to say this, uh, Pastor. Um, and I'll try to say this with a straight voice. I don't know how you've been able to do what you've done today, but uh, the impact, and, I, and I'm going to give the credit to God because John would do that. The impact that God has had on people through this man, who I've only known for eight years of his 42-year ministry, is absolutely incredible. Um, when I listen to other pastors talk about him, when I've seen him over the last eight years, particularly over the last four, and I hear uh, Pastor David Vaughn talk about him, and I've seen him up close and personal as a, as a friend and as a, as a person who's worked with him on the elder team, the impact he's had in, in seeing these messages up here, I don't know that I didn't become more overcome than you did seeing what people said that God had done for them through you. So praise God for you, Pastor. It's, uh, it's just an incredible honor to be here. Uh, yeah, you can clap for him. Absolutely. Well, Happy New Year to you. Um, I'm not going to make any football jokes or basketball jokes or anything. Um, it's a privilege to be here this morning to honor Pastor John to celebrate his 42-year ministry as a lead pastor. Journey has had the special blessing of having him as our lead pastor during his last 12 and a half years, and I believe the very best years of his ministry. We've been honored and blessed to have John here. He'd be the first to tell you that having Melinda at his side, along with her love and support, were essential to his successful ministry. I think I heard someone say, maybe on the, uh, the videos that were sent out, that she's the secret sauce. And I've known Melinda uh, as long as I've known John, and I've got to know her much better um, as Marie and I have gotten closer to them when I've been on the elder team. And she's really just an amazing, awesome woman, for those of you who don't know that. Yeah. Everybody has a story about when they first met Pastor John, how they came to Journey, and I'm no different. Uh, Marie and I visited Journey for the first time on a Saturday night about eight years ago. We slipped in here under the cover of darkness so nobody would know we were coming. We were Methodist, and we didn't want anybody to see us going into a Christian church. That's a joke. We heard Pastor John preach for the first time that night, and we felt the Holy Spirit in a way that neither of us had ever felt, and we've been followers of Christ for a long time. Many of you have similar stories. From that day to now, we've been part of the Journey family, and Pastor John has been our pastor. It's been a wonderful eight years. Over the past four years, as a member of the elder team, I've had the distinct honor to know John in a more personal way, very special way. His love for God, for his family, his staff, and for all the Journey family, I can tell you, and it's already been said, it's genuine, it's real, and it's vibrant. He's all in when it comes to growing and nurturing the kingdom of God and loving and protecting Journey. His heart, his work ethic, and maybe more importantly, his transparency with the elder team has been astonishing to me and has been and continues to be an inspiration for all of us who serve on the elder team and all the elders are here today. John has shared his humanity, including his highest highs and his lowest lows with us, knowing that we've got his back and would protect him. It's a brotherhood 
that I've never been part of before. And I can tell you, it is special. It is special with the other elders and it's special with our pastor. And I know it's going to be special with Dustin as we go forward. The relationship and trust between Pastor John and the elders is otherworldly. All of us love, admire, and fiercely protect our pastor and have the highest respect for him. As the elder chair, I've had John's ear, his wise and godly counsel, and his prayerful support, and they've meant the world to me. He's always available. The man of God, and David, you already said this, the man of God, and I can tell you this, that we see every week behind this podium and in the atrium greeting the journey family and visitors is the same man I see at elder meetings, on the golf course, in personal conversations, or just hanging out with the guys. He truly walks the walk. Pastor John is learned and he's wise, but he's also very down to earth, and he's approachable. When he talks to folks, they feel loved, they feel important, and they feel needed. They feel the love of Christ just being around this man. He has the incredible ability and gift of remembering the names of everyone he's met. I've only seen that in a few folks, and that is a gift, folks. He loves Journey with a fiery passion. That love and desire for Journey's future has shone brightly during this transition. His love, admiration, and support for Pastor Dustin has been evident from the beginning. I would dare say he is Dustin's biggest cheerleader in this, and it's never been about protecting John. It's been about growing the kingdom, serving God, protecting Journey, and building a foundation for Dustin to take Journey to, to levels of the ministry that John himself has said, we've not seen the best days of Journey yet, and because we've seen such great days, that may be hard for some of us to grasp, but I believe that, Pastor. And you've set that up. God set that up through you, and thank you for that. I know all of you share my feeling that we're blessed and fortunate indeed to have been under John's ministry. So John and Melinda, Marie and I love you both. It's been an amazing honor, a privilege, a joy, and a deep blessing for you to have been our pastor over the last eight years. I love you, brother. You're an essential part of the spiritual growth that we both have enjoyed. And she's here today, by the way. We're excited for what God has in store for you and Melinda. And we believe in the words of our beloved brother, Gary Lunny, it's going to be nothing less than supernatural. Thank you, Pastor. We love you. And Godspeed to you. Well, let's um, address the elephant in the room, okay? For those of you uh, here at Apofka, I I've seen Christians go on mission trips. I've seen uh, believers give and serve, and they would do anything for God except give up their seat that they normally sit in every single Sunday. <laughs> and when you came in and we have multiple campuses and multiple services, some of you are not in your seat. I just want to say thank you. You're handling it well. Well done. Well done. The reason there's like a nervous laugh is because it's real. Y'all are seriously frustrated right now. You're like, this is not my seat. I cannot hear from the Lord. So what I want to do in just a couple minutes, I'm not going to be long. We've had a season, the past season. I don't know how it started, but every Monday, Pastor John and I would go to Chick-fil-A. 
And I don't know how it came about, but we have the same table that we would sit at and we order the same food and we just talk about ministry and life and we laugh together and, and these past several weeks even cry together. And so what I want to do is I want with you guys listening in, I want to pretend like we're at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> And I just want to tell you four things. I have so many things that I've written down that I've learned from you, but these, there's four. First one is, because I got to be quick. Discipleship doesn't happen by accident. It's intentional. Matthew 28, it's the great commission. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what you need to know is Pastor John is very, very intentional. I've said this before from up here. I was hired to be a family pastor, but I was discipled. I was developed to be a lead pastor. That wasn't by accident. That was by you intentionally investing in me. And so the questions I have for myself and that I would give to you today is, who's discipling you? Who are you intentionally allowing to disciple you? And who are you discipling? It will not happen by chance. It's intentional. And you taught me that. We have something here called Rooted. It's a, a, a way that we help people in their first steps in discipleship. And it's only been around for several years, but... Just listen to these numbers. This is the amount of people that have gone through Rooted under Pastor John's ministry. 1,086 people have gone through Rooted. Isn't that incredible? That's unbelievable. We did some research, and since Pastor John and Melinda came, this is how many people that have been baptized. 3,813 people have been baptized. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? As a matter of fact, if you've been baptized here at Journey, e either campus, over the past 12 years, would you just stand right where you're at? Would you just stand? Stay standing. Stay standing. Isn't that incredible? It's awesome. You can have a seat. That's your, that's your ministry. That's your legacy. Just two rows behind you, there are multiple people in the elder rows. That's discipleship. That's what you taught me. It's intentional. The second thing you taught me is to put my faith over my fears. You see, succession takes vulnerability. And Pastor John, I've said this, someone else said this up here, is he's making something that's very difficult look very easy. And the reason is, is one, uh, it's not because he's fearless. He has fear, but he is allowing his faith to be bigger than his fear. And that's what was the original conversation. Because when you first talked to this, uh, to the elders, now all of a sudden it's out of the bag. And he didn't know what we now know now that God just works everything together. But he didn't know that several years ago. You see, I don't think David was fearless when he faced Goliath. I don't. I think he had some fear. I just think his faith in God was bigger than his fear of man. That's Pastor John. 
Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You're pleasing God. Third thing you taught me, and it was just alluded by our chairman, is to be a good cheerleader. Our chairman did a great job of describing that. Hebrews 10.24 says this, may we spur one another on to love and good deeds. And I remember about a year ago, it hit me. We were playing golf, and, and I got to awkwardly kind of share this. We were playing golf. I, I hit a hole-in-one, okay? I was excited about the hole-in-one. I really was. I was excited. I wasn't even close, not even close as excited as Pastor John was. He was, he was so excited for me to hit a hole-in-one. I think we have a photo yeah, we have a photo here. So, so I, I hit a hole in one and I'm excited, but Pastor John, and I remember that playing in my head the next couple weeks and months until it hit me now because that's how he is in every area of my life. He is my biggest cheerleader. And he's taught me that I need to be intentional at being a cheerleader for somebody else. And so I would ask you, who are you cheering on? Here's the deal. You don't cheer on somebody that's perfect because I'm not perfect. He knows that. He's just chosen to see the best in me and cheer that on. Every single person we become a cheerleader for is flawed and sinful. We don't cheer on perfect people. We just choose to be optimists and see the God-given goal to him. And that's what you've done in me. I'm grateful for that. You believed in me before I believed in me. The fourth thing and the final thing that I'll share today that you taught me is that humility is never easy, but it's always best. I think for all of us, I think if we had to summarize one word with Pastor John, it would be humility. Coincidentally, if you were to say, what's one word that can encapsulate Jesus Christ? We would say humility. And that's why when we look at Pastor John, we don't see Pastor John, we see Christ. And that's what John 15 says, when we abide in him, the fruit of the Spirit is in us. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves. And he's done that every stage in his life, but I've got to see it firsthand the past five years. In this succession, how he's been humble and open-handed. Again, it's not easy to give somebody else power or platform or ministry that he's been involved in. And he's done all of that and, and, and more. Somebody recently asked a friend of mine, they, they were skeptical about this transition. They said, this, it really can't be that good. What's, what's the real dirt behind what's going on? And, 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 and part of my heart sank because I get it. Sometimes they just don't trust public figures or maybe even the church when they say something. I'm just telling you, there is there is no dirt because of how godly this man is. He has graciously, every step of the way with humility, done whatever is best for journey, not himself, but for journey in the kingdom. That's humility. And that's what he's taught me. I want you to know I love you, Pastor John. I'm grateful for you. Wouldn't be the man of God that I am without you. And so just know that I'm grateful.
Before Dustin sits down, I want to just, I, I've got something special for you, Pastor Dustin. Oh boy. So um, I, I just, I want, I want to give this to you. This is, this is probably one of the most valuable things I can give you, all right? Uh, you could call this a doctor's excuse. You could call it a hall pass. Uh, you can call it a get out of jail free card. But this is the card. I think the words are going to come up on the screen. This is what you need to remember, okay? It's Pastor John's fault. <laughs> it's Pastor John's fault. Effective date, January 2nd, 2023. Expires 90 days from first usage. John Hampton, lead pastor. And, and, and the, the, the term lead is lying through. It's struck out. So uh, there you go. Just, just blame me for the next 90 days. It'll be a lot longer. <laughs> Dustin, let me just say before you sit down. I love Dustin so much, and you know that. But I, don't, I not only love Dustin, I love your family. Hmm. TJ is going to be an awesome lead pastor's wife, but you know that already. I'm serious. She, she is going to be an awesome lead pastor's wife. And Riley and Callie and Darby, yeah. they really are. They're the sweetest kids yeah. I've, I mean, you can be around. It's unbelievable what sweet kids... These Agar kids are, and uh, I just, I don't love you, I love your family, Thank you. and I, uh, nobody will be cheering for you. They're laughing because you said you don't love me. You oh, love I my see family. It's okay. I know you don't love me. It's okay. You know I love you. Hey, hey brother, I, I, let's give Dustin another hand. Give him Thank one more hand. Thank you, brother. That, that's not a give me a hand because I'm leaving, because I'm saying, what are you about to do? You got a message? Uh, I got a few things I want to say. So let me. All right, let, I'll give you a minute. Let me just say it. Let me just say it. <laughs> All right. Hey, you've been very patient today, and this has gone longer than I thought it would, uh, but thank you for your patience. Let me just say just, uh, 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 just some comments that I want to share before I'm done. I've studied a lot about leadership successions over the past few years and particularly pastoral successions. And the main observation I've made is I've carefully examined how people close their careers is simply this. Rarely does any leader in any field end the way they want. I had hopes and wishes of how I wanted this to go, but as I stand before you on my last day as your lead pastor, I can truthfully tell you that this whole succession season has exceeded my expectations and has gone way better than I hoped or imagine, and certainly better than I deserve. This past year has been one of the sweetest and most fruitful periods of my ministry career, and I have many to thank for that. First of all, I would like to say thank you to the amazing staff we have here at Journey Christian Church. Amen. Amen. Both those who are currently serving and those who have served with me in the past. The staff have made me look way better than what I really am. And I've got way too much credit for what has really been the result of their hard work. While there have been some staff challenges over the years that I've had to deal with, those have been the exceptions and not the rule. I have frequently used this motto with staff, hug them tightly, hold them lightly. They are not my staff or even the church's staff they are the Lord's servants that we're blessed to know and work with for a season. And today, I want to thank them for hugging me tightly and holding me lightly as I step away 
from leading them. I would like any current or former staff members, full-time, part-time, contract residents that are here today, would you just stand right now? Just go ahead and stand. Any current staff, former staff, residents, amen. Amen. Awesome. Go ahead and be seated. I would like to especially thank my dear friend and former colleague, Pastor Roddy Connor. Roddy was a part of the elder team that hired me, and then a couple of years later, I had the good sense to hire him. Roddy was my right hand for many years, working behind the scenes to help me, protect me, pray for me, and encourage me more than I or anyone else realizes. I have added some new phrases to my vocabulary that I've only heard from Roddy Connor most of which he got from his daddy. So Roddy, wherever you are, thank you, brother, for loving the journey with me. The real unsung heroes of this whole pastoral transition are the elders of Journey Christian Church. Every man who's walked this succession journey with me has played an important role. Dustin and I get a lot of credit for how well things have gone, but the elders are the behind-the-scenes orchestrators of what you have seen play out publicly over the last several months. And at every step along the way, the decisions they've made were so wise and so timely and so supportive to both me and Dustin. Every pastor should have the privilege of working with an elder team like the team we have at Journey. And I would like to ask our current elder team and all those who have served as elders since I've been here. Stand right now. Our current elder team and any who has served in the past with me. Amen. Around the room. Amen. I'm especially happy to see Brother LeVon Krosky with us today. He has had some health challenges. Brother LeVon, I love you. I'm so glad you're here today. The elders not only decided to honor my time here at Journey, but they wanted to make sure all 42 years of my ministry were recognized and celebrated in this succession. So take a look at these pictures. Those are the five churches I have had the privilege to pastor over the last 42 years. Claysville Christian Church in Cynthiana, Kentucky. Southwest Christian Church, Jackson, Mississippi. Northern Heights Christian Church, which is now called Northeast Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. First Christian Church in Canton, Ohio. And of course, Journey Christian Church. Someone recently asked me if I have always been a lead pastor at a couple of those churches, I was the only pastor. <laughs> and consequently, I learned to do a lot of things, as my dear brother Roddy would say, by trial and terror. At every church I pastored, I learned something new and important about myself and about ministry. At Claysville, I learned my introductory lessons to pastoring and had many formative experiences in leading people. Some of those early sermons those folks had to sit through were rough, but the people listened to me with loving support and great patience. A famous novelist once quipped, that some of the best things I've ever thought of, I have thought of during bad sermons. <laughs> so maybe my bad sermons early on helped someone come up with a useful ideal on their farm. 
At Southwest, I learned to embrace the grind of preparing not one, but two sermons a week as I preached not only on Sunday morning, but an entirely different sermon on Sunday evening and usually taught a Bible study on Wednesday nights. It was also there that I first encountered some racial realities that I was ill-equipped to lead through at the time, but that the Lord would use to prepare me for some important conversations that lay ahead. At Northern Heights, I learned to pastor people well, and I realized I had a bit of a gift for remembering names. To this day, some of those folks still reach out to me and tell me how much my ministry meant to them, even though I left there over 25 years ago, and I still remember most of their names. At First Christian, I learned some of my most important lessons about leading a large organization. I learned that it wasn't about what I could do, but what I could equip and empower others to do. I also learned to lead through some significant challenges, both professionally and personally, that changed the way I relate to those around me. And that journey, <coughs> I learned it was okay to admit when you're not okay. That the more vulnerable and transparent you are, the more people can relate to you. And that lets people know that everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect. And through Jesus, anything's possible. And very early on in my time here, I realized this was the last church I wanted to pastor because this is the church I always hoped God would let me pastor. Let me be clear about something. <clears throat> While I'm retiring from being a lead pastor, I'm not retiring from being a pastor. My calling is the same, but my assignment is changing. I'm leaving journey now, but I'm not leaving journey for good. This would be so much harder today if this was my final day at journey, but thankfully it's not. In fact, I will be back at the end of this month to celebrate Pastor Dustin's official installation as our new lead pastor. That weekend, amen. That weekend is really the final step in the succession journey, and I wouldn't miss that for anything. Journey will continue to be mine and Melinda's church home, and Dustin is our pastor. And most of all, he's my beloved friend, and nothing will ever change that. Many people have asked what I will do this next year and in coming years. Well, I'm not going to Disney World, at least right away. <laughs> but we are going to the beach for the next few days. I'll be doing some preaching at some other churches, both in Florida and in other places. Pastor Colin, is that you here today? One of the people on the uh, video you saw, Pastor Colin Outerbridge from uh, Nona Church that I'm gonna be working with some uh, this coming year as well. Thank you, Colin, for being here today. I saw Pastor Joel Craig over here who helped us. Uh, thank you, Pastor Joel. Joel helped us open up what was then Journey Christian Mount Dora campus and now Lake County campus. You've already heard I'll be working with my best buddy, David Vaughn, in his rapidly expanding church consulting work. I was once his boss for about three months. Now he will be mine. And I couldn't be happier about that. I don't want to be anybody's boss anymore. I will be more than happy to move from the lead chair to an advisory role. 
Back in May, when we first announced this transition, I said there's at least five things I see myself doing in a post-league pastor role. Number one, less preaching from on stage, more teaching from online, less time leading organizationally, more time mentoring individually, less speaking, more writing, less being in charge, more being among, and less visibility at journey, more availability for the kingdom. I'm excited to see how the Lord will open doors and bring us opportunities. We haven't even considered or imagined and I hope that when I return to journey, I will be a better version of myself. God's work through me of being a lead pastor may be over, but God's work in me of being a Christ follower is far from finished. The world's foremost cellist, a man named Pablo Casals, practiced four to five hours every day well into his 80s. And he was asked one day why he continued to practice so many hours a day. He answered, because I think I'm making progress. And since none of us is yet what God's grace makes it possible for us to be, I know there are so many areas that the Lord is calling me to grow in, pay more attention to, get better at, and I plan to devote a lot of time doing just that. Because here's what else I know. Journey is not now the same church it was when I first came, and it won't be the same church when I come back a year from now, and that's the way it's supposed to be. The church is a living organism that grows and changes and has new experiences as new people continue to come to know Jesus, and existing people continue to grow in Jesus, and that's how it should be. And I'm confident that when I return after a year away, some people will ask, who's the old dude with the white hair that talks funny? My counselor, Dwight, said it's amazing how fast you can go from who's who to who's that. Let me tell you this, what's going to happen starting tomorrow and through the rest of the time as Pastor Dustin leads. Life-changing ministry will continue to happen at Journey. People will decide to follow Jesus and be baptized. People will continue to be rooted in their relationship with God and the church. Bibles will be distributed. Food for Life will still feed people's hunger, both physically and spiritually. Support groups will continue to give hope to people encountering life's hardest moments. Next Gen will keep reaching and teaching children and students and having a blast doing it while they do so. Online ministry will continue to reach way more people than we even realize. Worship will still glorify the Lord and with excellence and passion. Neighbors will be loved. The hurting will be served. And leaders for ministry will be developed. And I will be the biggest cheerleader for all that God does at Journey in the coming years that you will ever see. Let me just thank a few more special people and then I promise I'm done for now. <laughs> ministry is a whole family experience. No man or woman enters the ministry without it impacting the entire family around them in both good ways and bad ways. That's true for parents and siblings and in-laws, but it is especially true for spouses and children. My daughters did not ask to be born to a preacher and his wife. They didn't get to choose what I do. But I determined early on that I wanted my children to know a few things. One is they were always more important to me than anything going on at the church. I failed many times to live up to that standard during certain intense periods of my work life, but that was always my goal. My kids, like all preachers' kids, have been a frequent source of illustrations from the platform and occasionally the subject of conversations in the pews. I apologize for the former if I shared anything that embarrassed you or made you feel more self-conscious than you already did, 
and I will defend you to the end in the latter because it is hard enough to have a private life when your family seems to be public property, but I refuse to let anyone make it harder than it needs to be. Anna and Rachel. <clears throat> Anna and Rachel, you girls have taught me more than I taught you. And you still are. Being your dad has made me a better man, a better preacher, and an altogether better human being. I have only two people on this planet that call me dad. You are the greatest legacy I will leave behind because only you can tell the world who I really was. I can't choose your memories of me, but I will always cherish my memories of you. My two little girls, one who was fiercely independent from the get-go, and one who was the life of every party early on, who have grown up to be fiercely independent, um, intelligent, engaging, curious, courageous, compassionate, and strong women who are excellent leaders in their respective fields. Thank you, girls, for being here today and for always being there for me and mom and for each other. And finally, and most importantly, let me thank the woman who has, whose love has changed my life in ways I never dreamed possible. Her beautiful smile captured my attention and won my heart and turned my world upside down when I was a 19-year-old single preacher. And just a year after we met, I somehow convinced her to become my bride. Melinda has faithfully stood by my side since she was 19 and I was 20. And whether we lived in rural Kentucky, suburban Mississippi, northern Lexington, North Canton, or the Palms in Apopka, she made every house we lived in a home that I was eager to come back to at the end of every day. In fact, wherever Melinda is, is my home. Ministry can be significantly rewarding and also incredibly frustrating. Both the highs and the lows are easier to manage if you have a loving, trustworthy, devoted life partner to navigate them with you. I have been more than blessed to have all of that and so much more in Melinda. I have long believed that I am not just a leader who is married, but I lead out of my marriage. And there's a big difference. I've met too many leaders over my years who appear to be succeeding with Jesus' bride, but end up failing with their own. Investing in my marriage is the core of who I am, not just an extra add-on to what I do. So Melinda, honey, with that in mind, I can't wait to see what new adventures await us in the years ahead, and I hope our next season will be one that we get to do more of what you want to do when you want to do it. I hope... I hope that you like having me around a lot more <laughs> because I love being around you. You are my sunshine and you are the heart of our home and the churches that we have served are better places because you were their pastor's wife. Thank you for loving every journey the Lord has taken us on so far and the ones that lay ahead. Journey family, there's two scriptures I wanna leave you with today. The first is from Paul's letter, one of Paul's letters to the Thessalonican church when he wrote these touching heartfelt words. Because we loved you so much, 
We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And that's how Melinda and I feel about Journey. We've shared not only what I believe are my best leadership years with you, but we have shared the joys and the sorrows, the blessings and the burdens of our lives. And you have loved us and accepted us as who we are, John and Melinda, not just as your pastor and pastor's wife. And the second scripture was also written by Paul to the Philippian church. I thank my God every time I remember you. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.